Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. She Reads Truth creates beautiful, accessible Bible reading plans and resources to help you get into God's Word every day. Each week here on the podcast, we talk about what we're going to read together as a community this week. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams, and my co-host, Rachel Myers, is not with us today. But do not fear, because our beloved Jessica Lamb is here with us today. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Amanda. So glad you're here. So many of you are familiar with Jessica. If you're not, you need to know that she has been part of the She Reads Truth team for six years. Mm -hmm, Just about. Six years, and she now serves as Chief Content Officer, which is very exciting. That is the title that I held for a long time, and so it's very tender to me that she holds it now. I love that so much. It makes tender in a good way, (laughs) in a great way. So, Jessica, the genealogy of Jesus. Oh, I just want to say that I am so thrilled to be on this podcast series. In mm-hmm. six years, there have been a lot of reading plans. So many. So many. We don't <laughs> want to do the math. Um, so many. This is one of my all-time favorites Which, I've ever been able to work on. This plan moved me and taught me things about Scripture that I'm thinking about daily now. It was a paradigm shift for me in terms of reading scripture and thinking about my own story. So I love getting to be on the podcast. And I wanted to ask yeah. you. Uh-oh. I was about to ask you a question. You, I'm going to I'm gonna jump to right it. in. So you've been in this, yeah. reading this, reading through this, talking through with guests. Mm-hmm. How has it been for you? How have you felt about this study? And I'm just so curious. Usually when I'm on, I come on at the beginning of a series. Yeah. And so I don't get to usually wrap it up with you. That's so I'm true. just curious, how have you felt? Yeah. What have you noticed? What have you learned? That's true. So it's been an interesting series because, I don't know, there have been just like, logistically speaking, as we have worked through the the reading plan, Rachel and I, and had conversations for podcast episodes, logistically things have been a little bit strange. But what that has done for me is it has actually highlighted, I think, how impactful the reading plan has been because Mm. it's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate it well, but it's as if it has helped me to see on how many levels God is faithful. Yes, yes. (laughs) You know that like, okay, it can be as seemingly small and simple as God is faithful in our podcast recordings and the logistics of that. But also, you know, God is faithful in our individual everyday stories and in the stories of the people that we're reading about and in the larger story that he mm-hmm. was writing in Scripture and is writing in the world. And it's just, it really has kind of like knocked me back on my heels a little yes. bit. Like, whoa, it feels like a new sort of glimpse into who God is. Yes, yes. Like, Sorry, I keep, that's yeah. all I'm saying, but I, yes and amen. Yeah. Well, Affirmation. And, and not just like his character, that he is faithful, yes, but that he is God. Mm-hmm. For example, I would have said for many years now, I would have said, yes, I believe that the people in the genealogy of Jesus were real humans who lived in real space and time. God worked in their stories as he was writing the story of redemption. If you said that to me 10 years ago, I would have said, yeah, I believe that. Mm -hmm. But what this plan has done 
is you don't just say that and then keep going. You say that and then you stare at a person's story and just a part of it, like an overview of it kind of. And like you just stare at like parts of their story and go, oh, these are the ways that they were human. Yes. (laughs) And I think that for me, a lot of times we read stories of people in the Bible and we have an extra that we've put in many study books Mm -hmm. about how to read stories of the people in the Bible. So helpful. So helpful, where we talk about these are records. These are real stories. They are not prescribing ways you ought to live or how you ought to be. So you come across things that are bad choices or things you should not do or things that are harmful or things that are upsetting and traumatic. Cautionary tales. Yes, you have these things. (laughs) Yeah. In our reading plans, we've really worked together to sort of break down this old habit of reading scripture, to read it and say, wow, look at this person. What a hero. Look at this person. They're the hero of the story. Or you're the David. You're the Solomon. We've done a lot of work to help us peel back from that bad habit, I think, of reading scripture. Mm -hmm. Even in our Lent study on First and Second Chronicles, our writers did a great job of helping us understand that the point of this story isn't that you're David and you're going to slay your Goliaths. That's right. not the key point. Or and even that like this king was good or this king was bad. Right. People are complicated. Also not the point. Right. right. It's not the point. And I think that's really good and important work. Mm-hmm. And in this plan, we don't want to overcorrect though and say, well, who cares about the people in the stories? Right. And right. so this to me is a helpful different way mm-hmm. um, to keep those core things in mind, but to read stories of the people in the Bible looking at them and recognizing their humanity yeah, and saying, where do we see shared humanity? Yes. And where do we see what that looked like in their relationship with God? Where do we see God at work uh-huh. in real human stories? Just like you said, working through their brokenness, working yeah. through their strengths and their goodness. And so it feels like the right counterbalance of when we say don't read these stories to see yourself as the hero, to see them as the hero, that is still very true. But also... You can read with imagination and see, but what do we have in common? That's right. In terms of being real human people, serving a God who is in control, who is bringing things about in the way that he wants to do that, but he's not doing it passively. Yeah. He's not doing it in this sense where like, you're just along for the ride and buckle up, who knows what's going to happen. He's doing that work through real human people. He is allowing people to be part of that redemption work. And so we can learn about God and what it is to be a human mm-hmm. participating in that story, not just observing from afar, mm-hmm. but knowing that well, we're in it. We're in the action. Mm-hmm. We're invited in, and He does work in and through with the way He created us as individuals. And so I think yeah. that this plan has been so beautiful to give me that different framework of reading and understanding more about how I can relate to God because I'm seeing all these examples of people who experienced things that we've experienced. Right. And when parts of their story or their emotions or their reactions or responses, obedience, disobedience, all the things, when a part of their story resonates with us, that's not something to like, oh, I don't have to like push that away and ignore that. That's actually... That's part of the way the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you know, teaches us is like we we should connect with a lot of the people, and we will connect with a lot of the people in the stories. But I think that part of what you're saying, Jessica, is remembering 
to allow that to be true and recognize that as true while still keeping first and foremost that the story is actually about God and what yes, God is doing. exactly. Which is true, honestly, something that I need to be remembered about my own story, that my story, can I say this? Is this controversial? Let's my bring it out story, here. We'll see. I'll, I'll let you know if I think it, it's controversial. Okay, thank you, thank you. On a it's, scale of one to 10. Yeah, it's not ultimately about me. Mm-hmm. But I can say that without... I don't mean that in like a degrading way. Like right. it's my story and it's it's beautiful and it's complicated and it's layered and they're hard part, like all of it. But the hero of my story is God mm-hmm. and his faithfulness. And because we, as we will get to, you know, finally on Friday of this week's reading, because we have the unparalleled privilege of being like grafted in to God's family, the fact that my story is about God doesn't make it less about me. Like it's, right. it's almost like a, that's actually how I am most part of my own story. I don't know how to express that, but like that doesn't take away from me or from us or our humanity because God created us. And that's even the first day of this study where we yes. we grounded it in this idea that we are image bearers, yes. that we were created to do this work with God. Yes. We have this, this status that no matter your intellect, your yep. ethnic background, your gender, your age, that every human being ever created to ever walk the face of the earth or not walk the face of the earth, yeah. um, to mm. sit or not have that same mobility, every single human bears That's right. that identity that we are image bearers. We were created with this status, and that status is an invitation yes. to participate in this work that God's doing. And so yes. you're exactly right. It's that, oh, it's not about me, but also... I'm not an afterthought to God. No. I'm not irrelevant or unimportant. No. That yeah, each and good. every person is uniquely, beautifully made mm-hmm. as an image of God. And so I think that it's being able to hold those things in tension and then bringing our imagination to the text. And by that, yeah. I don't mean throw it out. Who cares what it says? No, it has a context. It has a meaning. Right, it right. has an intention. But to not be afraid to wonder and not be afraid to wonder about the emotions of the person in the story. Mm -hmm. We obviously don't want to read into the text something that's not there or force our (laughs) imagination onto it, but we also don't have to hold it at an arm's distance and read about these people as though it's this dry tome. We can read and we can see in stories of loss and heartbreak, right. oh, this person experienced that, and wow, look at how God was at work. Right. Oh, this great-grandfather was an awful person, and yeah. they did these horrible things. Oh, and look at how that wasn't the end of that whole yeah, story, yeah. that you can be a, a person right. and have this history that is traumatic or shameful or that you're embarrassed by or that wasn't what you would hope for. Right. It's not um, what you would have written. Right, exactly, if you had written the story. And God can still be at work. God can still be near. Um, And so I think it's bringing that curiosity and humanness and holding the both and intention. Yeah. Just like you said, that it's not all about me, but also you're not a worm. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there is something unique about God's creation of humans and his desire for us to partner with him in the work that he 
that he's doing. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that a couple weeks ago with Angie Smith, how there are so many gaps in like the stories that we read in scripture, meaning we don't know everything about every moment of a person's life <laughs> in scripture, including Jesus's. And so, and just to remember these stories help us remember that there are relationships at play. There's politics that, you know, there's so many kings that we read about so last week with Elisa. And there is time and space, and we're getting a glimpse into that. But these are not fairy tale stories. Like these, these are lives that were lived mm-hmm. and the way that God was working through them. And so if we can see how God was so intimately involved in the world and in each of these stories throughout scripture, then I think that we can safely know and feel confident that he was also intimately involved in the parts of the story that we don't have a record of. Exactly. And then thus in our stories. In ours. That's right. And I think that I grew up thinking when people would say, God worked through someone or the spirit was Mm -hmm. at work Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be, I think that I almost pictured it as like a possession or some kind of out-of-body experience where the person's self vanished and uh, they became a... This is now getting to be a kind of grotesque image, so <laughs> welcome to the... Or pursuit. like a chess game, like a pawn. That's a much of. better way of framing it than my like horror image on the Shooters of the Podcast. But this idea that it was mechanical, yeah, this yeah. idea that the person's personhood was mm-hmm. fully removed... And God, yes. just, God just used him as a pawn or whatever. And I think that in reading these stories, it's looking at how people are transformed, right? We know yeah. that that's true, mm-hmm. that the Spirit works in and through people, but it doesn't remove yes. the uniqueness of how God made that person. God is working through their life experience. That's He's right. working through their gifts and their talents, through their age, through where they were in time and space. Mm-hmm. And so the Spirit is present with those people, not wholly removing everything else about them and turning them into a pawn or a puppet or whatever image right. we want to use. It's in allowing them to be used in the fullness of this and this being restored to what that looks like. Yeah. And I think that that's really beautiful reading these stories at a granular level versus just the high level. God was at work. Isn't that beautiful? Right. Yes, it's beautiful. And then getting into the weeds of how was he at work in this person's life? Right. And seeing that, oh, they still make mistakes or they're still wrestling or having emotion, mm-hmm. I think that is also really encouraging as a woman, hopefully, you know, living a life in the spirit that God uses, yeah, that God's working into his bigger story. It's encouraging to see that it doesn't mean everything about me is erased. It means that it's coming into wholeness. It's coming yes. into shalom. It's being restored. It's being conformed to the mind of Christ. It's yes. Hopefully, I'm looking more and more like Christ. Yes. But that doesn't mean that I look like a Middle Eastern 33-year-old man, right? Right. It looks like Jessica, yeah, but, but restored. Oh, Jessica I like as yeah. the image of God. Jessica, you know, as a co-heir with Christ. Anyway, yeah. now we're and, all over it. But well, and I want not to get too tender, but like I see that in you. Like I get to see, I get one kind of view, specific view of you and this part of your story. And I, you know, and having known you for several years, and I can see that. I can see God at work through you, but through your unique you-ness, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and not in how, you know, that the Christ-likeness in you is not an erasure of who you are. It right. is a, it is you fully you. Yes, you know? and, that's, and, and that's our team. It's right. that there are obviously things that each of us have to die to. There are false identities that we hold at our core that we mm. have to 
we have to die to that have to come under the ultimate identity of who we are in Christ, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that they all vanish, yeah, right? It yeah. means that the wholeness of ourself is brought to God as an offering. Yeah. And then he, I don't know, he invites us to bring that to him, to participate in what right. he's doing, and for him to restore and make new those things that mm-hmm. are are marred or broken. And it's beautiful. Yeah. So in the reading this week. Yes. Well, you just said a minute ago, you were saying that like God actually works through the various parts of our personhood and humanity. And you mentioned age, mm-hmm. which, okay, I've read about Josiah, King Josiah before. And so I knew that he became king at eight years old. That's the youngest on record, right? Yes. In the Old Testament. I mean, I would hope. <laughs> eight years old? Eight years old. My youngest child is nine. This is blowing my mind. <laughs> and I've always read that and been like, whoa. And it's kind of like, it has like a fun fact vibe. Mm-hmm. But because of the nature of this reading plan, it's the first time that I looked at this and went, eight years old. And so I think what really brought that home for me this time was reading about Josiah in the context of the kings that we read about last week who were not great, but who were basically grown men, mm-hmm. young, some of them, but not children. Right. But this is a child king. And listen to what Scripture says. This is Second Kings chapter 22, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And then verse 2 says, He did what was right in the Lord's sight and walked in the ways of his ancestor David. He did not turn to the right or the left. This child king was faithful. It's so tender. And even we don't know necessarily what you were talking about earlier is there's all of this story in life. Mm-hmm between the lines. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he probably has some sort of advisors. We know that his mother is mentioned, but this sense of where does that come from? Because Mm -hmm. his grandfather wasn't faithful, his father wasn't faithful. And so where does this this faith come from? We don't know. And so it's beautiful to get to even imagine. And I love that you pointed out these different descriptions of their hearts, because jumping ahead a little bit, later on in this day, there's this summary of his heart, mm. and it says that because his heart was tender and he humbled himself from the Lord, that God's going to do these different things. Mm. And what you were saying, this call to be wholeheartedly devoted and hear this idea of a heart being tender or soft and responsive to God right. is what is called out here, that he has this heart and disposition that is is willing to be corrected, yeah. is willing to hear and experience conviction, and that that's kind of this core characteristic uh-huh. of this king who ends up doing these great reforms and doing all these things. And so I love that comparison yeah. of different hearts and different postures towards God. Yeah. It makes me wonder if the thing that I would just at first blush look at and say, well, clearly he should not be king because he's eight. Mm-hmm. If that is the thing that God used <laughs> or like if that is actually what softened him, like was it that childlikeness, not just mm-hmm. childlikeness because he was a child, is that part of how he was able to follow? That's God's a great question. Command. I don't know. But like, because how often are, and I am jumping to some application here, but it resonates with me because how often do we think that, you know, well, I can't do this or I'm too such and such for ministry or I don't know, whatever it is. And then that the Lord is like, actually, <laughs> it's, 
these unexpected or really difficult parts of your story that that's where I'm going to shine the brightest. Yes. It's through that. And that's the story of Scripture we see over and over again, this idea of what the world intends for shame, God's going to use for honor. We see, you know, that meager offering, the meager offerings that are brought that God sees and honors. We see the loaves and fishes, you know. We see see those things that don't seem like much or that actually seem like a detriment. Mm -hmm. And there's where God works. And... Mm. And even thinking about what you're saying, I think that there's also this sense of he doesn't have a great role model, if you will, Mm -hmm. of what it looks like to be a king. The pattern he's seen or heard about of what it looks like to be a king isn't good. It's not the way that's honoring to the Lord. And so even seeing there where you would think, gosh, how's this going to turn out, Right, that there's still this tenderness that God's still using it, and that it's not just, he's not doomed to follow the patterns that he's observed and taken in. Yeah. And that, you know, sort of pattern that we see in Israel's story of, you know, as goes the king, so go the people. That's actually an encouraging and a hopeful thing here because as he's doing these repairs and this like restoring the temple, they find the book of the law Mm -hmm. and bless him for having the like wherewithal to go wait a minute, this is a big deal, this matters. Right. And the tender heart. The heart to hear this read. Yes. And he read it and felt immediately convicted of the sin of his people, him and his people. Mm -hmm. And so, which again, very different, like immediately, like go and inquire of the Lord for me because, paraphrasing here, we have messed up. Yes. (laughs) And so he's confessing, essentially, and he tears his clothes like he has this genuine yes. repentance. He has this softness of, I've been shown new information. Right. And I'm mourning yeah. how far off the mark we've been. Yeah. And then reads the words of the book in the presence of the people. And it says, next the king stood. So he reads the law. And then it says, the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant in the Lord's presence to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, his decrees and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul in order to carry out the words of this covenant that were written in this book. All the people agreed to the covenant. So he did that publicly. I mean, what a leader. Mm-hmm. Like he's leading his people to repentance. Hey friends, pausing this conversation to tell you about one of our podcast sponsors, Haya. Now, it's no secret that typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise, right? They're filled with tons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk that your kids just don't need. That is why Haya was created. It is the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. It has 12 organic fruits and vegetables, 15 essential vitamins and minerals, and Haya has zero sugar. It's vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, all the things you want in a children's vitamin. And somehow, kids still love it. And I have to tell you, so do all the moms with young kids here at the She Reads Truth office. So if you want to see if Haya is right for your family, we have a special deal just for you where you can get 50% off your first order. Just go to HayaHealth.com slash truth. Your first order will arrive with a super cute bottle that your kids can decorate with stickers. And then each month's supply of vitamins will arrive right at your door. You don't even have to think about it. 
This deal is not available on the regular website, so be sure to go to Hyatt Health, that's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash truth and claim your discount and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Hey friends, taking a quick break from this conversation to say happy anniversary to the She Reads Truth community. This year we are celebrating 11 years in God's Word. And of course, to celebrate our anniversary, we always like to do a little bit of a sale this year, starting Monday, June 26th through Monday, July 3rd, while supplies last, you can get an exclusive She Reads Truth trucker hat for only $15 when you purchase any study book or legacy book. Y'all, okay, these snapback hats are super cute. They're black all the way around with the word truth printed in white across the front perfect as like that go-to summer accessory. I know I'll be wearing mine. So here's how you do it. Go to shopshereadstruth.com slash anniversary. And of course, we'll put this link in the show notes as well. But you just add one study book, at least one study book or legacy book. It can be physical or digital to your cart and then add a hat to your cart and the discount will automatically be applied. So you don't have to worry about that. Super easy. That's shopshereadstruth.com slash anniversary. And y'all, happy 11 years of being women in the Word of God every day. All right, back to this episode. Okay, and not that this week is thematically designed around young people in unusual circumstances being called (laughs) to participate in the story of um, this bigger story, but... There's a little bit of a thread. There's a little bit of a thread here. (laughs) But in in thinking about God using the unexpected and God working in stories you wouldn't expect, it feels like if you're okay with it, I'd like to jump ahead to day 32 to Mary. Yes. To this kind of last little moment... Because her story is really beautiful. Yeah. I don't know what your experience is with Mary. For me, I grew up in a Protestant tradition. Mm-hmm, I did and too. I think that there was almost a little bit of fear in talking about Mary of not wanting to go too far or say too much. Mm. And so I don't feel like I was always invited to sort of read the story of her as this real woman who also is inspiring. Yeah. Her, the story is beautiful. And if we believe what's here, that she's probably a really young woman, probably right. 14 or 15, so we think. Yeah. And she has this wild thing happen in her life where mm-hmm. she is committed to be married and an angel appears and tells her that she's pregnant. And it's hard to imagine wilder circumstances than that. Right. And that she has found favor with God. Yes. That she is highly favored. And you're like, okay, so I am with child. Yes. I am highly favored of the Lord. Okay. (laughs) And I think in the very first week, you probably talked about this, but we talked about this theme of legacy and this Mm -hmm. theme of inheritance and this theme of place. Yes. And we talked about how in the story of a genealogy, every birth, every death was a reminder they were waiting. They were waiting Mm -hmm. for the promised person who was going to restore what had been broken, what had been undone. Yes. And so even in the early week talking about Abraham, right? And there is this covenant around circumcision. Yes. And so every, you know, every time a man and a woman came together, every time a son was born, there was this reminder they were waiting on a son. They were waiting on the heir. They were waiting on the promised person to bring this about. And so for Mary, this really young woman who's probably, it seems from the story, poor, to find out, like, actually, 
you are going to carry and give birth to this son that from the oldest stories that your people tell, from the earliest stories of Adam and Eve and the patriarchs and stories of the kings and stories of exile and return, the answer to all of those stories, you are going to actually carry the incarnation. You're going to carry this this promise, this, this lineage that child is going to grow in your womb. You're going to give birth. You're going to raise. You're going to be the mother of this child. That is wild. Yeah, it's truly wild. Having read all of this and thinking about the longevity and the waiting and the like, I mean, just thinking about generation all generation after generation after generation, generation. Yes, to arrive as a message to this young woman, right? To arrive, we should here. probably read this early thing from Luke. Yeah, here in Luke one, where the angel is visiting Mary and says, you know, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. She is, you know, understandably afraid. And that's when he tells her, you know, don't fear and says in verse 31, listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. So here's probably where all the like bells start going off, right? He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. And I think we should keep going. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with the man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Yeah, yeah. And the Spirit, like that again is something, it's like a part of the story that I have read and known and been aware of mm-hmm. since I was a child. That is the Holy Spirit, you know, that mystery of like came upon Mary, yes. you know, whatever that means. And like, but enabled this child, you know, to be in her womb in, in a way that is completely supernatural, mm-hmm. right? But here, after having read all these stories and kind of zoomed in briefly on the lives of these people and the lineage of Jesus and getting here, I'm like, okay, God is very overtly working. And you, mm-hmm. we get the information, right? The Holy Spirit is going to do this. And it makes me think, oh, yeah, <laughs> like the Holy Spirit has been a part of this whole story. Yes. You know, and there were many times you all will see in your reading this week, just anytime the Spirit is mentioned, just maybe circle it. And I think you're going to be surprised at how many times the Spirit is named. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think that also using our reader's imagination, like we can think, oh, the Spirit isn't just present when He is named. Right. Like the Spirit, it's the Spirit of God. He's present. Yes. And it's so interesting because in this, you know, pre-Pentecost, pre-Acts season, right. the Spirit comes in power on people and specific times and seasons and places. Yes. But it's always working. Yeah. And so it's this beautiful thing to see how the Spirit comes in power and does these things that are miraculous, mm-hmm. that kind of overturn the laws of nature or stir up people's hearts, but still within the ordinary, mm-hmm. still within mm-hmm. this, where this is one of the most astounding miracles, right? This this conception, the miracle, <laughs> this conception, and also, yeah, Jesus grows in her womb, right? The incarnation happens in this very tender, Physical. fragile, yeah. sensitive thing. It happens in the womb of a woman, yeah. And yeah. so, this idea that in the incarnation, 
that Jesus is born as a human man and through the body of a woman, and that even even here, thinking back to Genesis and thinking back to this original thing, that both that all of humanity is still present mm-hmm. in this miracle, and that it's supernatural and also very yeah. human, yeah, and very, very like real. as human as it gets, as human Having as it baby, gets, yeah. And I also love if we can even skip ahead to this like song of praise. Yes, we. I know that Rachel will be sad to not be here because this is one of her favorite this passages her in favorites. all of Scripture. But that Mary sings this song, and we could do a whole study just on this song because it's so rich in theology. It's so mm-hmm. rich in this legacy, and it mm-hmm. it shows you so much about who she was yeah. before even this happened. And again, it's that God's working. In and, and through this real person. Yeah. I want you to read you know, part of the, as much of this as you want for us, Jessica. And what struck me, I'm glad that you brought it up because what struck me is how, like, this is, she's articulating this story of the genealogy of Jesus that we've been reading for five mm-hmm. weeks. This is the high level song summary yes. <laughs> of the story. Yes. I'll read, I'll read the whole thing. Okay. Go so for it. So this is in day 32, Luke chapter one. And we're going to start in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because He has looked with favor on the humble condition of His servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and His name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear Him. He has done a mighty deed with His arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. She's Mm. noticing. She's aware of what's come before. She knows the stories of her people. She knows these stories and these promises. And the other beautiful thing is that she's also seeing what comes next. Yeah, and she sees that she's in it. She sees that she's in it, and she sees that something else is going to happen. This isn't actually the end. There are generations to come that will look back on this and see that something has happened that's, yes. that's been that's special, that's been anticipated, and it's been desired and longed for. Yes. And that this, that verse 54, he's helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy mm-hmm. to Abraham and his descendants forever. This that we are reading, this story of redemption, is based on a promise. Yes. It is all God's fulfillment of his covenant and his promise that... You know, we first see, of course, like the first glimpse of it in Genesis, and then like an overt, mm-hmm. you know, statement of it to Abraham, and then he just doubles down throughout the history of God's people. And so to go through that whole reading, I mean, that story, you all reading on Thursday, there's more about Mary, and you kind of get like these snapshots of her story there at the birth of Jesus, at the first miracle, at, at the, the cross. cross. She's in the—I do want to say before we move on, but she's in the room, like kind of like the start of the church. Like the room where it happened. The room where it happened, yeah. um, where they're united in prayer, where they're waiting for the Spirit. She's there, and it's she's just this there. kind of beautiful thing of— Read it, dig in a little bit there, but that she's present throughout sort of the whole of his earthly ministry. Yeah. It makes me want to do kind of a deep dive. Me too. Of reading about Mary in Scripture and remembering that she was a human person. Mm -hmm. That's what this day did for me. And I know that sounds so elementary, but I don't often think of her, the whole of her. 
you know, not just like Mary at the birth or Mary at the cross, but like Mary, the mother of Jesus and everything that Mm -hmm. that meant, both before, during, and after his ministry on earth. So we've been for five weeks. Here Mm -hmm. we are at the start of our fifth week, and we will continue to read about people in the genealogy of Jesus Monday through Thursday of this week, kind of ending with Mary. And then Friday doesn't actually end with Mary, Mm -hmm. right? It ends with us. It ends with us. And it's we talked about at the very beginning in in the start here section that this is a story of branches and roots, that there is a very real physical human embodied piece of this, and there's also this other Holy Spirit at work bringing in people together, forming bonds Mm -hmm. through the spiritual family, that both things are happening. And so now we arrive at how we get into the story because, I mean, maybe someone here has some kind of wild family history we don't know about, but probably none of us are related by birth right. to this lineage. Some people, somebody, <laughs> maybe somewhere, but <laughs> but here in this room, that's not part of my human ancestry. But the right. beautiful thing is that for us in Christ, we're considered co-heirs to this inheritance, this legacy, this promise of presence and place. We're brought into that. Right. We are part of this family story. Yeah, we are children of God and... Sisters of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, reading Mary's story, that was another thing that that struck me was like his brothers and sisters and how they were present. And he mm-hmm. was the eldest, you know, of many brothers and sisters. And how like, oh, we are, and then that same language, brother and sister and family is used. And one thing that that brings to mind for me, so there's this passage, we read it right at the front of Friday's reading where it's from Matthew 12, where Jesus is speaking to the crowds. This is like kind of in the thick of his ministry, right? His mother and brothers were standing outside wanting to speak with him. Verse 47, someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. Jesus replied to the one who was speaking to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother mother. I have always, I think, and it didn't really strike me until I read it this time in this context of this reading plan, I think I've always read that with like feeling a little slighted mm-hmm. on behalf of his earthly family. Right. His, this is a little his rude. His mother and his... Right. Or rude. just like, well, I mean... But in this time, I read it and it was like, oh, this isn't actually a slight to his his family, his mother and his mm-hmm. brothers and his sisters, it's actually a statement about God's family. Yes. And it is a really bold one because family was everything. That's everything. so much of what we've been reading, you know, and what you talk about in like the front of the study book and the material about legacy and inheritance that like family lineage was such a big deal. And for Jesus, who is establishing himself, showing himself to be the son of God, saying, these people to whom I have no relation, mm-hmm. <laughs> they are my family. And that's us. That's us. That's us. He's gesturing to us. And there's something so healing and also so clearly the culmination yeah. of these people who had no people. And yes. even, even the origins of like when God calls Abraham out and says, okay, we're going to make a people out of you. Mm-hmm. 
he calls them out to make a new thing, or he brings them out of Egypt right. to establish a people, or he grafts in Rahab, or you know, all these different stories we've been reading about and seeing how all these people are brought in. It's always been happening. And then Jesus even expands it even more yeah. to brought it out. And I think that I know there are people listening who have experienced adoption or abandonment or different things. And I know this topic of even genealogy and family can be yeah, so painful for people. Infertility or I know some women on our team talked about, you know, their ancestry and feeling like I don't have a deep connection. I don't know the long story right. because of what my family's been through. I don't actually know where we come from. Right. There's kind of this lost right. heritage. And so to have this picture of this deep, rich, mm-hmm. beautiful promise and heritage to say, like, you're brothers and sisters, you share in this. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not part of that story physically, in this way, you are, you're brought in. Mm-hmm. In Romans 8 on this same day. There's this beautiful passage that says, For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. Mm -hmm. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. This new breaking down of what family can be yes. and what it can be to be part of this. And even that line of not just children, but heirs, yeah. not just tolerated members right. of the family, right. but sharing in all of the wealth and riches, kingdom wealth and riches, let me yeah. be clear, of what would have only passed to sons right. in a culture that we were brought in. Chosen. Chosen. And brought in. And desired um, and loved. The Hebrews 2 passage, I just, you know how sometimes you read a passage that you've read before, and then suddenly it's like every word is like in hypercolor, mm-hmm. and you're like, how have I not, how has it not resonated like this before? But where he's saying in verse 14, now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these, so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who are held in slavery all their lives by the fear of mm-hmm. death. And I love this image, for it is clear that he does not reach out to help angels, but to help Abraham's offspring. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful Mm -hmm. high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. You know, even that, for since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Just this like Jesus, God incarnate to become like us in order to reach out the hand of God to us and help Mm -hmm. us and draw us in to the family. And that in doing so, all of this humanity that we've read about, Jesus experienced. Mm -hmm. That it's not just like, you know, yes, God knows our stories, and He knows our hearts. He knows our suffering. It's, he doesn't turn away from it. But it's not just that He knows. He understands mm-hmm. it. And at times when you are suffering, I feel like that can just flatten me. Right. When I'm like, oh, Jesus knows this right here. Yes. That there's space for it. And again, it's not that spiritual maturity or spiritual wisdom or holiness means this complete alienation. Right. From our physical bodies, right. from our humanness, from the very real things we we suffer and endure, mm-hmm. that it comes right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And that that's this plan 
is that the mm-hmm. Spirit's at work. God is at work yes. through the most human things, and God Himself experienced you know, hunger and tiredness and yes. immense suffering as a human. He yes. experienced those things, that they're not— we can tend to sort of emphasize like the spiritual side of life without realizing like it happens in embodied people. It happens yeah. in real time and space. Yes. In in really messy, messy lives. Every single wonderful story of faith you've ever read involves the messiness of humanity. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that God's yeah. story is that too. Yeah. And I just think that that is it's such a tender comfort yes. when we're experiencing whatever we're experiencing. Yes. In our sorrow, looking at our families and seeing things we wish were were not true, right? Or in our friends, or in our own bodies, even, right? To recognize that Jesus Himself yeah. understands what it is to be human, right? And just the big questions of life: mm-hmm. Who am I? Why am I here? Why is the world the way that it is? What's going to happen mm-hmm. <laughs> to us all? There was a phrase in Ephesians, the Ephesians 3 passage that struck me in verse 11, where he's talking about Paul is saying, you know, that like, I'm here. Like, God showed me mercy so that I can can show you mercy mm-hmm. through Jesus Christ and bring in the Gentiles. Like, this mm-hmm. is a wild, like, bold wild. message, right? And he's saying that, like, this grace was given to me so that I can proclaim it to the Gentiles, to all y'all, as we like to say, all right? Y'all. And in verse 11, this is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that phrase, his eternal purpose, struck me because that is what is at play here, is that there is an eternal purpose of God, and it is both in our stories, and it is beyond our mm-hmm. stories. And that is not a scary thing. That is a a confidence that we can yes. have, that we are free. I mean, even the, the Romans 8 passage about freedom, y'all are going to... I just think that by the time you get to the end of this, the, fr- the last full reading day of the study, you are going to need someone nearby to high-five. Yes. <laughs> because it really does shed a new light on the meaning of the gospel. High five us. Send us your high fives. Yes. There's this moment of wanting to worship and wanting to just celebrate and rejoice that we get to participate in this. One of the things we don't have time to get into even more, which I wish we did, is just looking at all the readings this day. And you said this about even this high-fiving one another. Every single one of these stories it's individual, the yeah. Spirit is at work, and every single one, they're turning to somebody in their life. There's somebody else in their life who's called alongside them. Mm. There's somebody else in their life that you know, maybe speaks a word of clarity over them or that calls them to something. Even in the story of Josiah that we spend so much time on, he doesn't actually find the book initially. Somebody he sends to go do work finds it and says, That's I'm right. going to bring this to the king. That all of these stories, there's this communal piece. And that, for me, is what this study has done, is that I know that I'm a part of something so rich. There's this deep, deep legacy that we read here in this genealogy, but also there's all of these stories of faithful Christian people from the time that Scripture ends up till now. There are hundreds and hundreds of years of people who have 
known the Lord and who have walked faithfully with Jesus and experienced every era of suffering and tragedy and sorrow and joy that we could name. Everything that we experience in history class, if you think about, I know that your kids at one point had this wonderful timeline song that I won't put you on the spot to make you sing about world history. But thinking about from the time of, you know, the early AD to now, there have been people the Spirit has been at work in. That's right. And where God has been faithful to them. And to be able to look back at that legacy, that communion of saints, if you will, of believers who have lived before us, and to know, okay, you and me together in this work, every she listening, reading with us, that we're part of this chapter in this generation. Yeah. And that we're part of something right now. And it gives me so much confidence to look back and around and look forward, look forward yeah. to what's next. However long, you know, we have until until Christ returns, however yeah. long we have this really beautiful deep sense of identity and self and encouragement yeah. of who God is and his faithfulness to so many people. Yeah. It's partners in the promise. There's a, it's a phrase the that Paul uses in Ephesians 3, the Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body with the Jews, like the same body and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That's what we are. That's what we get to be. You all, I hope that this reading plan has, tender has been the word of the episode, has found a tender place in your heart to take root like it has with the two of us. And and even if it didn't feel like, you know, lightning bolts and light bulbs mm-hmm. and all of that to you, trust that the time that you're spending in God's word, that everything that we've said applies to that too, that yes. he's at work in you and that you are coming to know him. Every time you open your Bibles, you are coming to know the God who is God. Yes. The God and who created you and you bear his image and he has an eternal purpose of which you are a part. Like this is all still true, even if today is a day for you that it doesn't feel mm-hmm. true. And if you're listening today and you think, I didn't get this book. I haven't been reading along, but I love the <laughs> podcast. You can still get a copy, digital at least, probably some physical too. And I would just encourage you, we are just barely skimming the surface in these podcast episodes of Mm -hmm. just the richness of these stories. It's okay if you read a story and you don't know how to read the names. It's okay if you read a story and you think, I'm not quite sure what was going on. But there there is a richness there to dig in and to see just the details of the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yep. Amen. Um, Yep. And just how he's at work in real human beings. Yeah. And if Rachel were here, she would say, this is not your checked box for the week um, mm-hmm. or even for the day for scripture reading, that this is your your launching pad, your starting point where we encourage you to open your Bibles this week, to read these stories and this reading plan this week, and and to get to that Friday reading. And mm-hmm. even if it takes you a little longer than Friday, that's okay. That's fine. Just keep going. And come back next week, we're going to start a reading plan on the Book of Romans. We're going to read the Book of Romans together. So we got a little bit of a Romans teaser today, but we're going to dig in and read the whole book starting next Monday. So be sure to join us for that. And until next week, Jessica Lamb, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. 